<sighs> what's good? What's good? What's good? Man, episode three of Inside of Julius's Mind. Um, this is kind of, I feel like I'm a day behind. Normally, I, I record everything on Saturday and publish it, put it out wherever I need to put it out. And then I just kind of go from there. But I've had a busy weekend. I've done a lot of stuff that I had to get accomplished. Um, but I'm glad I did that because if I would have recorded on Saturday, like I normally would, uh, I missed. I would have missed a lot of things that I would have had to wait a week to cover. It. And um, it kind of would have pushed everything behind. Uh, so... To give you a quick rundown of what's what's going on in this episode, uh, we're going to do a quick NBA playoffs preview. Uh, the first round uh, started Saturday. Uh, got a few teams that's already won, been dominant in their performances. Um, we have some teams that, uh, that have surprised a lot of people. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to have one of my friends, Chu, he's going to come on, and he's going to talk about the uh, NBA playoffs with me. Uh, the next, we're going to talk about Donald Trump, uh, Michael Cohen, the Syria uh, chemical attacks, uh, James Comey. Uh, then we're going to talk about what happened in Russia in 2013. Hmm. Yeah, that should get really interesting. Uh, my uncle is actually going to come on and talk to uh, talk with me. Uh, we're going to talk together. We're just going to have a quick conversation about basically what's been going on with that. Uh, then we're going to hit on Ray Lewis um, and Odell Beckham. Now, I know you guys are probably thinking, man, he talks about Odell Beckham a lot. But this is a different take on what I would normally say because I believe, well, I won't get too deep into it. Um, and then last but not least, we're going to talk about Meek Mill. Uh, and we're going to talk about his relationship with Robert Kraft. All right. Hope you guys are excited as I am inside of Julius Simon. Let's get it. Yeah, I'm back. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, so we got uh, James Comey, Michael Cohen, uh, we got Syria, and we got Russia, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're going to hop right into it. Michael Cohen. The lawyer of Donald Trump. How you feel? Like I said, I mean, if you get raided in it, anybody's house getting raided. They're going after the big fish. And, you know, his biggest fish is Donald Trump. Can't arrest Donald Trump right now here in office. So you go after somebody close to him so you can gather your information. Yep. And that's why they got Michael Cohen, in my belief. Right. I feel like this is this might this might sound like a stretch. Uh, it was it was just you know they just had like a little uh, broadcast on CNN, uh, and they were talking, basically saying that uh, there were some secret recordings from Michael Cohen that uh, the NYPD had got from the FBI, which prompted prompted them to go out and be like, all right, it got to be something there, right? They raided his office, his home, his hotel, and then all his bank accounts. So, me personally, 
I feel like I, I know you probably heard this old uh, old saying: "Only uh, hit dogs holler." Right. That's right. <laughs> and as soon as that happened, Donald Trump got on Twitter, just went to tweet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but now you got to look at look at this right here. You know, we so calling this conflict with Syria. Yeah. I mean, so we can kind of segue into that after this. So we can't arrest the president because yeah. how would that make us look as a nation to other nations? Right. You, you know, if if we go and and attack or take down our big our leader, so called the the leader of the free world, it makes us look vulnerable, right? Like right. we pick weak leadership, so he won't be taken down while he's in office. Yeah. So you because, don't you don't see this you don't really see this ended with him like either being uh, brought up in impeachment talks or uh, him kind of just walking away from the the presidency altogether. Uh, he won't walk away because he, he his ego is too big for him walking away. But bringing up on the um the impeachment, they it's been talk of it, but nobody's willing to commit. That's true. You know, and if they do impeach him. Look who's sitting in the wing waiting waiting for that spot. <laughs> uh, you know, a lot of people say, hey, Donald Trump this and Donald Trump that. But look at Mike Pence. He's the only one in his cabinet or in his close circle that has political experience. Right. So where do you think those political decisions coming from? That's true. That's true. I thought that was like the biggest thing from this past election. Uh, a lot of people, I mean, just looking at it, just presidential uh, in presidents in the in the past, most presidents are made by the vice president choice. Uh, a lot of people talk about George Bush, but Dick Cheney was pretty bad too, right? Uh, true. Uh, a lot of people talk about Barack Obama, but some of the things that Barack Obama focused on was some of the very ideas that Joe Biden was focused on. Uh, and it, yeah, go ahead. you know, don't mean to interrupt you, but uh. A lot of times, you know, they have to pick running mates according to their weaknesses. They have to yeah. pick a running mate who's going to be strong where they're weak at. Yeah. And he has no political experience, nothing about foreign policy he knows about. So he had to pick somebody who was strong in politics, who could be a, a who could speak well, but also knows when to get out there and say something, when not to. You got to remember during the um, debates, you know, when they was debating, the vice president was debating. Him and Trump were getting into it. That was button heads. Like, when have you ever seen that? That's true. You know, so like they Trump, the same side. Because he was forced to get Mike Pence. That wasn't his choice. He was forced to get Mike Pence. Who do you think his choice was? He really and truly, if, if he could have ran by himself, he would have ran by himself. Because <laughs> uh, he didn't, un, un, honest to God, truth, I, I believe America. Um, discounted how racist of a country this is. Yeah, <laughs> and that's what he—that's what he ran off of racism. They—they they discounted how racist this country really is. Yeah, they I remember he didn't expect I, to get there. I remember when uh, it was announced that he was going to win, and uh, Van Jones came out and was like, "This is a uh, white lash." You know, basically the last eight years of Barack Obama being in office. This was basically the white lash instead of like the black lash. Or the, yeah. <laughs> this is the white lash of uh, Donald Trump becoming the president. 
And and did you, you see how long it took them to really announce and say he won? Because everybody was amazed. They didn't think it was right. going to happen. That's and true. it also goes to show you how the Democratic Party has to work a little harder next time. They can't assume that they're going to get the black vote and put somebody that's not capable of making change out there. That's true. You know, true. you, you got to Democrats because if you don't, we're going to stay at home. Exactly. I think, and I was, uh, this may sound a little bit off topic, but I was watching the David Letterman and uh, Jay-Z interview on Netflix. And Jay-Z was like, man, this next upcoming election, you might see some records in terms of just black voters just coming out and just voting. Uh, because the Democratic Party, I mean, just being from like Louisiana in general, most people are the, from the South that are black are normally Democrats because they don't know anything differently. True. And if you go and if you go out and say I'm a Republican, then those same blacks that say they're Democrats, they're gonna look at you funny. But, but in the Democratic Party, this this past election, they weren't together a hundred percent. I think. Personally, I think they backed the wrong person. Hillary Clinton has the experience, but I believe if you wanted to win, you would have went and just got Bernie Sanders. I, I could see both sides. They they went with Hillary because she's a woman. You know, it's pretty, you know they feel like okay, well we put a woman out there, everybody gonna vote because everybody want to be a part of that history, history. breaking. Yeah, but. If you look at and listen to Hillary, she was very disingenuous. She's not very personable. You know, she comes off as a liar and not trustworthy. Yep, and so, but I see what they saw. She assumed she had the votes because people adored her husband so much. She assumed she had the presidency. Right. That's true. And so they, so they kind of blackballed Bernie. I mean, you look at Bernie. Bernie's I mean, he looks like he's 102, but the man, I think he's in his late 70s. Yeah, late 70s. So so you look at it and you think like, okay, do we pick this this older white guy in his late 70s who comes with these radical ideas for really making change as far as, you know, the way we run elections, the way we run the country and these ideas about universal health care? Or do we pick our safe choice, a, a white woman, who everybody will adore because they everybody loved their husband. That's true. Well, check this out. I know you said uh, the woman, the woman thing. Uh, bringing talking about Hillary, the craziest number about last year's election was sixty five percent of white women voted for Donald Trump. Now that's after the the audio of him talking about how he how he grabs women. That's after that. You know, it's after how he was kind of like behind her uh, at the presidential uh, presidential debate and women still went out there and was like, well, all right. You know what I mean? So I think we we overshot the importance of the possibility of a woman getting into the office. I never thought personally that Hillary had a chance of winning because of the Benghazi thing. I don't think it was just because of Benghazi. I believe, you know, it's her, her personality. She, yeah. her personality is, is trash, you know, so to speak. Yep. And, you know, if you go back and look at some of the. <sighs> Before I go any further, uh, I want to send out a, a shout out to my uncle uh, Demetrius for him coming on. 
uh, sharing a little bit of his insight of what's going on with Michael Cohen, uh, Donald Trump, and uh, Hillary Clinton. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Staying a little bit on the political front, um, we're going to go into a little bit of James Comey, uh, the Syria chemical tax on their own people, and Russia. Seems like we've been talking about Russia a lot uh, the past couple of years. Um, So James Comey, he has a book coming out. And in this book, it's kind of like his his memoirs. Now, depending on your political affiliation, at any given point in time, you either like James Comey or you don't. Now, this can be said for both parties, uh, the Democratic Party and the Republican Party. Republicans loved Donald uh, James Comey when he came out about the investigation of Hillary Clinton. Then they hated him when he came out about the Russia investigation. Now, some of the things that James Comey has... Um, has said in his uh, meeting with Congress and his talks with uh, news stations and the media and just in his book. And people of his his field, his peers, they say a lot of things about James Comey. He, uh, he has a great memory. Uh, he's very meticulous in getting service. He knows the law inside and out. And they will probably say a lot of other things about him. But one thing that they cannot say, and this has been multiple people, is that he is not a liar. Right? Now, for somebody that has to work their way up to the top, there has to be hurdles that you have to get over. Uh, The rise of James Comey is nothing to laugh at. It's nothing to snark at. Him getting fired, to me, in my opinion was obstruction to justice. Um, Simple as that. Now, James Comey was on CNN a couple of days ago, and I know a lot of people say, oh, CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, they're all the same. Uh, But he said something, (laughs) and it it stuck out to me, uh, because what he said was not funny in the sense that you should laugh at it, uh, but it was funny in the sense that God, look how far the office of the president has kind of fallen. Now, the things that he spoke on, the person that he was talking about was not president at the time, right? Uh, but he was on the on his way to become a president or to announce that he was running for president. I think this may have been a couple of weeks before he actually announced or maybe like a year before he announced that he was running for president. Uh, James Comey said in 2013... Donald Trump goes to Russia. Um, him and, you know, Russia, he does a lot of uh, work and he does a lot of uh, promoting in Russia uh, for his business. And he said in a hotel room in 2013, there has been cases that the 45th president of the United States was in a hotel room with prostitutes. And these prostitutes 
were peeing on each other. <laughs> now, I'm not the type of person that's going to laugh at whatever you're into. That's your thing. Uh, but this is weird because why? Right? Why? Now, when he was talking about this, he says to the guy that's interviewing, I think it was Jake Tapper. He says, Jake Tapper, he says, if I was to ask your wife right now, without a shadow of a doubt, is this true? And your wife says to you, or says to me, that there is a 99% chance that this is not true. There's still that 1% chance, right? Wouldn't you feel more comfortable if your wife came out and said, without a shadow of a doubt, 100% that this did not happen? Right? Now, Trump comes out. You know how he is. Uh, he gets on the Twitter and he just goes off. Comey is a slime ball, untrue, uh, unfit for the FBI director role, blase, blase, blah. Now, we've gotten to the point as Americans, this has to get old, right? This has to get old at one point in time because hearing or your president coming on uh coming in or going into social media and attacking someone in the political field. It's ridiculous. Right? Now, Donald Trump has had a very busy last two weeks. Stormy Daniels, Syria, who I'm about to get into next, uh, James Comey, Michael Cohen, the FBI, NYPD. Right? Like my uncle said, you want the big fish. Michael Cohen is just a smokescreen to get to the person who's behind the curtain, to use a little bit of a Wizard of Oz uh, reference. Right? I mean, I feel like no matter your political affiliation, this is no witch hunt. There has to be something there because the FBI and the NYPD don't just use resources for people at a high stature like that. You can't arrest Donald Trump right now. Right? Because of the the, the wide field, the uh, diaspora of the continent, of the, the, the earth, of the globe. America is looked at as the po political and the moral authority across the planet. People look at America and say, this is what democracy is supposed to look like. Right? We don't want to be like those other countries that uh, arrest their presidents and things of that nature. And that brings me to Syria. Now, Syria is a weird case for me. Um, Syrian refugees is a somewhat of a point to where Donald Trump made his running campaign. Um, his band. Now, I'm a big firm believer of keeping that same energy. I'm going to explain. 
Do not say that you care for the Syrian people if you will not help the Syrian people out of the situation that they are in. Bombing the Syrian nation of the country of Syria does not fix the problems that they have. Because their own country just bombed them. Chemical. Chemical warfare. They just bombed them. Right? What are so special or what is so special about America going in and bombing Syria to tell them not to bomb their own citizens? Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just my ideology. Maybe it was just my political affiliation. I don't see that helping anyone out. Right? Donald, answer this question. If you didn't care about Syrian people then, and if you didn't care about immigrants then, why do you care now? You don't. You never did. You never will. So don't use this as a way to rally the troops of America. Right? Don't use this as the way to say, this is how we're going to bring this country together. Right? The best way to bring America America together is to have a conversation. It's kind of why I started this podcast. I want to open myself to different ideologies, um, to different ways of thinking. So, no, I don't think that bombing Syria was the right military action or the right political action. Now for the red-blooded Americans, you know who you are. Um, you're probably going to call me a liberal snowflake. That's not the case at all. I'm a big component and I'm a big believer in keeping that same energy. Don't change your energy when it suits you. Political parties seem, seem, to, seem to do that. You run and say, oh, well, the Democrats did this. Oh, well, the Republicans did that. Me personally, stay the hell out of Syria. Focus on the kids that we have here. Build them up. Don't be America first when it's convenient. Don't go out and mess with other countries when it's convenient. If this is who you are, be that person every single day. Now, let's talk about Ray Lewis. Hall of Famer. Two-time Super Bowl champ. I think he had a Super Bowl MVP as well. Uh, Defensive Player of the Year. Overall, probably one of the greatest uh, linebackers to ever play the game of football. Now, Ray Lewis has changed. 
Now, he was a religious man in the, the latter part of his career. Uh, now, what I mean by that is he was blah, 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 pray for this, pray for that. All things, you know, God, 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 God. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. I respect that. But Ray Lewis is a religious opportunist. And I know that sounds mean as hell. But that's what he is. Now, recently, Odell Beckham, I don't know if you guys have listened to podcast number one. Odell Beckham has been going through some things. I call him trials. He's uh, he's through the, the bottom part of what would be the bottom without being a Josh Gordon or Jamarcus Russell because he still performs at a very high level when he's on the field. But what his problem is, what Ray Lewis's problem is, is that there's never a right place for the things that happens to Odell Beckham. So I feel like potentially when you step outside of what you normally can't control or what you normally uh, can speak on, i.e., what Ray Lewis said about Odell speaking on him losing his foundation is ridiculous. Now, granted, Odell Beckham has done some what people would consider dumb things, but he's a very emotional football player. And I don't see it as much more than that. Right, we need personalities like Odell in the NFL. We like we need Oso Cinco, right? Terrell Owens, those type of players we need in the NFL to make it worthwhile. Now, from sources close to Odell Beckham, Ray Lewis isn't the everyday mentor, right? He's the once you get in trouble mentor, meaning he's inconsistent. If you were my mentor, then you would be there before I got to what people would say the bottom is. That's just how it is. You know, that's just rational thinking, rational thought, right? (laughs) It's nothing more, nothing less. Ray Lewis uses that to get back into the spotlight of conversation. Now, I'm not saying he isn't sincere about him caring. What I'm saying is, if you care, care 100% of the time. Like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, keep that same energy 24-7. Don't switch up your energy when you see I'm falling. Put the ladder up. Hold the base to make sure that the foundation is strong. Don't question my foundation once that you see a fall. Right? So I think Ray Lewis overstepped his boundaries. I think Ray Lewis could have been a little bit more, you know, to himself about this. Only thing you have to say is, I'm going to speak to Odell. I'm going to reach out to his people. My people are going to talk to his people. Then we're going to figure out how I can help this young man. And that's all you got to say. You don't have to dig at him. 
right? Because I was always taught that you don't have to condemn a dirty glass, right? Only thing you have to do is raise a clean one next to it. And the dirty glass will understand where he needs to be. Then you got to put the hard work in and actually washing the dishes. So to Ray Lewis, we appreciate everything you've done for the game of football. But when it comes to the young stars in the league, be consistent. Now let's 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 hit on Meek Mill for a little bit, right? I have to start doing more of the entertainment aspect of life because I feel like everybody values it. So Meek Mill was arrested, I think anywhere from about five to about seven months ago for something that was so long ago. But because of the statute of limitations, blah, 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 him still being on probation, once you get in trouble, you go right back to jail. Now, the criminal justice system in this country has never been fair to 100% of the people in the country. The vast majority are fine. The minority, not so much. Right? So, when it first came out, it was Meek Mill was riding ATVs in uh, in the city, blah, 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 violation of pro, uh, probation, back to jail you go. And life has a way of showing people who they really are. Because you always have those people in situations like this that come out and say, well, if you were breaking the law, then why would you do it? Or if you knew there was going to be a violation of your probation, why would you do it? Once you got, once you get out of jail, once you get out of whatever situation that you're in, you have the human right to be able to make money. And in the instances of him making, you know, riding these ATVs, he was making a music video, which is how he supports his lifestyle, supports his family. Right? Now, as of a couple of days ago, I don't know if you guys um, watched the Netflix documentary or the uh, Netflix uh, interviews with David Letterman and Jay-Z, where he's kind of, you know, my uh, my next guest needs no introduction. Um, Jay-Z kind of has some insight on what happened with Meek Mill. So let me just, you know, paint the scene for you so you can understand what happened uh, since Jay-Z represents Meek Mill. So, Meek Mill is in Philadelphia. He's, you know, doing his music video, riding ATVs, being the people, being who the city of Philadelphia needs him to be, right? And there's this guy who's upset because Meek Mill hasn't given him the attention that he feels like he needs. So, he starts to fight one of Meek Mill's uh, partners, or one is, you know, people that he has around him. And Meek Mill, being the person that he is, he breaks up the fight and gets arrested. 
gets thrown in jail in violation of probation. Right? Now, I'm a big believer in using people that try to use you for your own benefit. Now, that could be in any case, right? Meek Mill has built some very, very good friends. The owner of the Philadelphia 76ers and the, uh, the hockey team there are one of those type of people. That guy is also friends with Robert Kraft. Now, people who know about the civil rights movement they know Martin Luther King, uh, Malcolm X, Stokely Carmichael, uh, Fred Hammond. You know those people, right? But none of those people really start to get taken seriously until you have a white voice or a white face that comes in and reiterates what you said. This is how it is. Now, Robert Kraft is a Trump supporter. He voted for Donald Trump in his past election. And I'm not the type of person that I'm going to criticize you for your vote because if you feel like that person is going to help you, that's your that's your thing. But Robert Kraft went and sat and talked with Meek Mill Why Meek Mill was in prison. And he comes out and he says, we need criminal justice reform. Now, I know four or five people, four or five black, brown, Asian people who talk about criminal justice reform and nobody takes it seriously. So Meek Mill having someone on the statue, a stature of a Robert Kraft, owner of the New England Patriots is extremely important. That brings visibility to what the struggle actually is. Right? So I got to give a round of applause to Robert Kraft. Uh, even though this may be, he probably used this as a way of saying, hey, I'm sorry for voting for Trump because most of his team is 75% black. So it could be seen as pandering to the 75% of your team. Because we know another Bob in the NFL wouldn't do anything like this, right? I'm talking about Bob their owner of the, uh, the Houston Texans. He wouldn't do anything like this. So Round of applause for Robert Kraft. And it's coming out that Meek Mill may be getting out very soon. I'm not going to chalk this up and say, hey, Robert Kraft did all the hard work. No, he didn't. He brought visibility to everything. And that's what that's what's kind of helping facilitate. Now, I know the judge and say, oh, my God, that's Robert Kraft. Let me let Meek Mill out. But visibility and noise brings change
What's up, brother? What's going on? Oh, not much, man. Not much. So, the playoffs, the first few games of the, the first round, what you think? Yeah. What you think? Man, they kind of lived up to everything I thought they were going to be, honestly. Uh, mm-hmm. We had some good between Pelicans and the Blazers. That was a fantastic game. Uh, Pelicans almost blew it. Showed it. They actually came through and got the clutch dub. Rockets and uh, Oda. That was a very close game. A little too close hey. to Crawford. Hey, y'all almost the blew F- it too. <laughs> they really did. They really did. Man, I don't know. We were watching that game up from the media level. And we were all said, we all said, what is Chris Paul doing? We literally thought that the Monstars came down and stole his power. <laughs> we were like, what's going on here? I, I'm watching that. Like, I, I'm not the type of person. I don't want to be a bitter, bitter person. But when I saw that, I got happy. I literally was like, what is God doing? Because I think he's about to mess it up. Because James Harden, he had like blue, like two, uh, Two layups. He had turned the ball over. Well, two got... layups, turned the ball over, and he missed like three free throws. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, here it is, <laughs> the jig." I see it. Oh man! When they, when they that game, I believe the whole city probably would have just went nuts, just with anger and sadness, dude. I mean, but great. Minnesota is actually a really good team, and they do match up well. They Before have some, Jimmy Butler went down, it was a number three seed. So, I mean, and then Jimmy Butler went down against. Yep. So I mean, he's playing. He's playing for a little bit extra, you know. Huh? Playing with a little bit chip on his shoulder. But what I did not realize about Jimmy Butler, that's a mm-hmm. big guy, man. That's a big guy. Uh, but listen, uh, yeah, we had the Warriors blew out the Spurs, which the Spurs did not come to play at all. Lamarcus Aldridge didn't do anything what I thought he was going to do. Uh, Lamarcus Aldridge did exactly what I thought he was going to do. He's going to get try to go in the paint, and then the Warriors did what I thought they were going to do: was double team him. I mean, yeah. on the Warriors, I'm just going to do that all series long. Who else do the Who else do the Spurs have that can actually hurt me? Nobody. So I, I mean, I, I as, long like... as, they, as long as they continue doing that, which I mean, uh, we both know that Pop's going to make adjustments, but I see that four or five games now. Yeah. I think what was the actually like the most important move between that those those two teams was uh, Steve Kerr coming out and uh, starting Andre Iguodala at the one. Yeah. Because that instead changed, of Quinn Cook, instead of Quinn Cook, because Quinn Cook, I believe, would have been too small for the matchup that he had to he had to worry about. For sure. Uh, but also, man, you got to give my boy Javale some props. Javale was balling. For somebody without yeah, man. Moves. He had a great game, man. Like I was reading up on uh, on ESPN, man. You got Untucked Kyrie, you got Blackface Max LeBron, and now you got Gold Grill uh, JaVale. <laughs> got Gold Grill JaVale, man. Hey, Anytime he's on the court with that grill, man, I tell you, he's probably going to put up some monster numbers. What I need now, I know it looks like four or five games. Yeah. But me personally, I wouldn't be upset if it went six. Uh, yeah. Now, the, the reason Especially I – Especially as – yeah. Because, I mean, that's just more time for Steph. You know what I mean? 
Oh yeah, exactly. And then if this if this series does go six games or possibly even seven, which honestly I don't see that happening at all, uh, it's going to give the Warriors a chip on their shoulder. You know, yeah. they're going they're going to have that feeling going to be bust up by a team that really, honestly, wouldn't be in the playoffs if Coach was if Pop wasn't the coach. Yeah. And they're going to say, hey, we need to step back, look at ourselves in the mirror, and really see what we're going to go and really see what we want to do this year. And I think if that happens, then look out, Rockets, look out, whoever's coming out the East, because what the Cavs did on Sunday laid a total leg. So I don't even think they're going, I don't even know if they're going to make it now. Oh, wow. You don't think the, you don't think the Cavs make it out of the first round? Man, they, they came out and laid an egg, man. They laid an egg. Hey, you know how when people talk about LeBron James, Michael Jordan, you know, LeBron James fans always bring up that LeBron never lost in the first round. Yeah. Imagine he if he lost the first round of this playoffs. He might. Now, I'm not saying that his legacy would be completely tarnished. But there yeah, would be a lot of – I don't understand why people are saying – why people are even thinking that. I mean, if you want to compare it to Michael Jordan, go ahead. What does Michael Jordan have? He's 6-6 six of six in the finals. Michael Jordan lost a bunch of first-round mm-hmm. matchups, lost a bunch of second-round matchups. So, I mean, it's the NBA. It's a team sport. I mean, if your team doesn't come to play, then that's just the way it works, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like – I mean, I don't want to get too deep into this, but I feel like the teams that Jordan played in the Eastern Conference Finals then – Yeah were a lot better than the teams in the Eastern Conference Finals or the Eastern Conference now. Uh, yeah, I could see that. I mean, in respect to the eras that they played in, you had so you a lot more with Jordan. The Celtics, yeah. the Pistons, you got those teams that were, like, good. You even have the 76ers who were dis- uh, decent. Yeah, I mean, and the thing about the 76 they're just so hot right now. 17-game yeah. winning streak, man. I mean, hats off to those guys. Doing it yep. without Joel Joel uh, Embiid. I mean, I, I don't want to say I don't want to get ahead of myself, but man, I think you know how we always they, say we never seen anybody like LeBron. Yeah, I think we, I think we're seeing. Him. I think we are. Uh, I think we, I think we found LeBron's clone. LeBron's a little bit taller. A little bit taller, man. Is he taller than LeBron? I think he's. I think. Uh, Ben's like six nine, six ten, man. Damn. Okay. <laughs> Plays point guard, really. Yeah, he does play point guard. He doesn't play any small forward. Like, like I was telling you last time, we tried to do this pod and we got cut off because we went too, too deep into everything. <laughs> ben Simmons shot eleven three pointers and missed all of them. Yeah. I guarantee you, next year he'll probably shoot around thirty to forty five, and he'll probably make ten. And he's gonna go on that track until he becomes probably a thirty, a thirty, thirty-three percent three-point shooter. I guarantee you, by year six, year seven, Ben Simmons is gonna learn how to shoot threes. I would hope so. I would like to see it. I mean, because that's the way the NBA is going. You just have to. Yeah, you have to shoot the three balls. I mean, (laughs) if you don't, then you will, you will get ran off the court. Yeah. Uh, Now, so are we saying seventy-sixes and four? Uh, I don't want to give any series in four because, I mean, it's the playoffs. I don't want to count out any team. I mean, four is certainly realistic. Uh, 
I still want to give credit to Dwayne Wade. I think they might win one in Miami. Uh, but, I mean, four or five, honestly. I'll say five just so I can give – being a fan of Dwayne Wade, giving him the benefit of the doubt, but four or five. What about Paul George lighting up the Jazz? So now he wants to turn into playoff P, I see. Cooking uh, forever. Hey, well, he's finally got he's finally got players around him. Unlike he had in Indiana, he had nobody. Yeah. He was in a similar situation as LeBron. There was, I mean, he had a, he had role players, but I mean, he had no stars. Yeah, that's true. Now it's like everything doesn't have to be on him, so he can actually play his game. You got Russ on the other side. You got Melo on the other side, and then you got then you got PG thirteen man. I mean. Granted, I still think they'll make it out the first round. I think that series will go either six, probably, or seven. Yeah, uh, I'm hoping it. I'm hoping it does uh, for I'm other it reasons. Seven, man. I do as well. Uh, but after the second round, I just don't see it. They have no bench outside the big three and Sam Adams. They they have nothing. Yeah, that's true. Uh, they have but that would really... be a good matchup for you guys in the second round. I agree. Uh, it's re- if we get we should get past Minnesota. Uh, the big thing about our we'll touch on our series in a little while, but uh, if we get past Minnesota, I think that's going to be a good look in the mirror type series. Like, hey, this is not a bad team. We have to play our best. We have to play our best game to beat them. Yep. So I would definitely, if I'm the Rockets, would look forward to a matchup of Oklahoma City over the Jazz for sure. Oh yeah, most definitely. I just hate that Donovan Mitchell. It came out that he had the the, uh, the bruised foot. Uh, yeah, that's my choice for rookie of the year. I just think what he's done in Utah is a little bit more impressive than what Ben Simmons has done in Philadelphia. Uh, not I agree. And I still either of them. I know. I don't take anything away from Ben Simmons, and I think, like I said on the last time we tried to record, uh, Ben Simmons is my rookie of the year just because of the triple doubles he's had. The numbers he's put up not to take anything away from Donovan Mitchell uh the season that Philadelphia has had I mean not just basketball but all sports in general Philadelphia has just had a great year and I feel like the Riders gonna take that into consideration uh I mean like I said Ben Simmons is a red-shirted rookie he's had a year to study for this yes as a point you give a point guard a year to study the NBA with Ben Simmons basketball talent I mean, I I really expect nothing less of Ben Simmons than what he's doing. Yeah, that's true. Well, so but we, I uh, I can see it going either way, but just from an alumni standpoint, I would want to <laughs> give it to Ben Simmons. But if they give it to Spider, I wouldn't be mad at it. A little bit of LSU bias. A little bit of LSU bias. LSU bias, you know. It is what it is. Uh, now let's talk about uh, let's talk about you guys' this series, man. Last yeah, night, man. Say again. Last night showed me something about you guys. Yeah, we gotta we gotta get our head out of our ass. Because um, now there's a lot of streaky teams in the NBA, right? There's a lot yeah. of teams that when they're hot, they're hot, and when they're yeah. cold, they're they're cold. cold. Yeah, um, you guys are a little bit like the Warriors in the sense when we're hot, there aren't many yeah. teams that can shoot with us. No. Uh, same thing with you guys. There's not many teams that can shoot with the Rockets. The only other team I can think of is the Warriors. But what Minnesota did last night, Minnesota made it a little bit difficult in those first few quarters to where 
while, you know, James Harden had, you know, I think what he had 44. Yeah. Those was a hard earned 44. They were hard earned 44 until the fourth quarter. Until the fourth quarter when he just lit them up. Yeah. James Harden in the fourth quarter showed me that step. First of all, unless you're, unless you're, yeah, he traveled a little bit. And then uh, we also had that little mishap with the the free throw being missed, and the ref didn't realize <laughs> that it's the second of an and one. And Cat traveled, but yeah, hey, he did. He did travel. I might also show me Clint Capella knows how to play some defense. Yeah, he does. He does. He held Cat to eight points in forty minutes. That's outstanding. But he can do that for if the rest of this series. Every night, I'll be happy, win or lose. Hey, but you know who showed me something? Derrick Rose. Yeah, man. He really came out to play. Say, y'all motherfuckers forgot about me. And Jamal Crawford played pretty good, too. He so did. Good. Not the Jamal Crawford of old, but the Jamal Crawford better than the regular exactly. season. So, I, I mean, Minnesota, while we didn't think they had, like, a really, like, decent bench, now they don't go 10 deep or, like, most other teams no. do, but they go at least seven deep, eight deep, yeah. to where they got some three-point shooters that can come onto the court and make some big shots when they need to. And then you have it. Exactly. A change of pace type of guy in Derrick Rose. Uh, yeah. But until further notice, I'm going to say Rockets in five. Yeah, I agree. I, just, I I don't see them sweeping this team at all as much as I want them to. Uh, I see this a five game series, maybe six if if we come out and lay a dud in in uh, Minnesota. But I see no more than six games to end this series. I agree. I agree. Now let's let's go back over to the East. Uh, that's like before Chris Paul actually becomes Chris Paul again. So. Man, if if Chris Paul turns into the Chris Paul of old, uh, yeah, it's gonna be some problems. That's why I'm yeah. I, I'm not worried. This is gonna sound extremely cocky coming from somebody like me, but I'm not worried about the Spurs. And it's gonna sound bad, but I'm really not worried about the Pelicans without Boogie Cousins. Uh, and I'm not no. worried about the Trailblazers. Mm-mm. I'm only worried until the Western Conference Finals. And yeah. that's with either of those two West, teams. That's with West Oklahoma City. Finals, NBA Finals. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Those are, your, those are going to be your two best teams. And that's crazy to think the two best teams are in the same conference. Yeah. Yeah. So, going back to the East, man, I don't know if you watched that, but that Toronto and Wiz game. I watched the first half, and then uh, I had to go to work. But, uh, man, that was a hell of a game. That was crazy. John Wall, I think I think he had a triple-double. Yeah. I'm not sure. Double-double uh, uh, double for sure. I don't recall if it was triple-double. That man can play, man. John Wall has always been a I, in the last time we The last time we recorded, I told you, people kept saying all year long, Bradley Bill's better than John Wall. Bradley Bill's better than John Wall. I was like, man, slap yourself because you sound stupid. <laughs> nothing, take away, nothing from Bradley Beal, but John Wall, yep. man. He's a point guard that any team would want to have. Yep. Besides, I mean, your top your top few, Golden State, Houston, you know, those type teams don't really need a John Wall. That's but true. Houston, if they didn't have Chris Paul, John Wall would be great. The Pelicans had John Wall. LeBron had John Wall. I mean, I don't think I don't think John Wall's style would work with LeBron. 
Yeah, because he's not much of a shooter. No, like it'll be like LeBron having a version of himself that's not as good of a shooter, but smaller. Yeah. So I'm going to say with that series, that series is definitely going second. Yeah, I agree, and that's because I see Toronto's just going to yeah. choke. I mean, they always you know? do it. It's nothing like new. Game one, finally, in so many years has Toronto lost the game one. Uh, I see game two probably going to the Wizards, honestly. Yep. And then uh, I kind of see it going back and forth until Game Seven. Are we gonna? Are but we, I think they played. Are we gonna stop giving Kyle Lowry a pass? No, man. I I never was a fan of Kyle Lowry. Uh, I remember when uh they wanted to trade him to the Miami Heat team with Dwayne Wade, LeBron, and Bosh, and I was like, that would be the worst idea ever. Yeah. He's not a winner. He's not a team player. No, he's not. He's he's just Kyle Lowry. You know, he doesn't do anything great. He doesn't do anything horrible. He's just there. Yeah, he's like, it's gonna sound bad because I like Mike Conley. I put Mike Conley and Cal Lowry as like the same type of point guard. But I'll give the edge to Conley, honestly. But the edge isn't like better defender. Who's a better shooter? Yeah, I can see they're the same type of player. They're neither one of them are winners. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and then let's see. We got oh, if Boston wins this series, is uh is, is yeah. Giannis overrated? No, not at all. If they if Man, what? No, Giannis. Giannis is not overrated. Giannis, if Boston wins this series, this just proves to me what I've been saying for a long time. Giannis is just not a number one option. He's gonna be another. He's gonna be another Anthony Davis type player. He's gonna be. A fantastic number two option on a championship winning team, but Anthony Davis just won his first playoff game in how many years? I feel Giannis is going to be that same in that same type boat. Grant Giannis has won before, but he's a great like he's in that level where between one and two, like on the cusp of being a number (laughs) one player, just on the cusp of being a number one player. On the cusp, but. Oh man, he just can't quite steal his way into it, you know. Yeah. Oh man, so how how you leaning on that series, Boston or uh, Milwaukee? Man, that's going seven or six or seven. Who are you going? And uh, I'm gonna give it to Giannis just because I want to see him go to the second round. Okay. I'm gonna give it to Boston because I think uh, Brad Stevens is top five coach in the NBA. Actually, I might get, I might change mine and give it back to Boston because I think I saw that. Marcus Smart, if this game goes to seven, he'd be back for either six or seven. So I feel once once they get him back, even though he'll be on uh, men's restrictions, yeah, uh, just the fact that he'll be in uniform cheering on his guys, so it's gonna make a big difference mentally. Yeah, it does. It does. Uh, man, I think we I think we hit on. But if Austin wins this series, they're not gonna do anything in the second round. So that's true. But we gotta give it to Jason Tatum, man. He's been balling. Yeah, he's been a hell of a rookie, honestly. If he was in any other draft class besides this one, he'd be rookie of the year. Yeah. You think if he was in last year's draft class, he'd be rookie of the year? Uh, Yeah. I'm trying to think of last year's rookie of the year, to be honest uh, with you. And Malcolm Brock. That's that game. Who was it? Uh, in Milwaukee. Brockton from the Bucks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. By far, he'd be the rookie of the year. Okay. All right. Well, hey, man, I appreciate Bye. you coming on.
Uh, it's all good, man. We'll have to uh, hit up next weekend to see how these uh, these week games go. I think we got two tonight. I think the Warriors play tonight, if I'm not mistaken. Tomorrow. Y'all play tomorrow. I know we do have two games tonight. I'm just not sure where they are, so I'll make sure I tune into them, and then we'll have something to talk about next week, man. I right, appreciate it, bro. Not a problem, man. Y'all have a good one.